1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings and Dan Abone, welcome to the final hour of Warriors This Week. And Warriors This Week with... More of an upbeat approach, and that's what happens when you win a couple of games, <laughs> as have the Golden State Warriors. Winners of their last two. Good opportunity to make it three in a row this evening against the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk a little more about Atlanta. Oh, by the way, I'm going to continue with my factoids, right? You ready for another one? Hit me. Do you know Cliff Clavin is? Or does this predate you, obviously? Cliff Clavin? Yeah, yeah. it might be before my he time. He used to be the mailman on, what was the name of that show? Cheers. So he would come yeah, in.
3: that's before my time. Yeah,
2: he would just come in <laughs> with these... You know, these nuggets of information, half of them were made up, but you didn't know that. (laughs) So, talked about Brandon Pajemski, and he became the first rookie with 14 assists and no turnovers. The 14 assists was the most by a rookie since Ben Simmons, Mm -hmm. then of the Philadelphia 76ers. The last Golden State Warrior rookie with 14 assists. You want to take a shot?
3: Mark Jackson with a C.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. No, he's a current warrior and he wears number 30. Yeah, Steph Curry. Oh, was oh. the last time. There you go. He had a Warrior rookie with with that many assists. Big big ball game last night for Brandon Pajemski and the Golden State Warriors. I've thrown this out there. I think it's time to see him as a starter uh in supplanting Klay Thompson. I think the Warriors are just old with Klay. He plays like an older player. Not to diminish, you know what it is that he means to the team. Uh, and not to relegate him to, you know, DMP and or trade him. Not going there. I'm just saying, mitigate his role. And role being the operative word. Have him more of a role player, as opposed to a guy that you're you know, theoretically going to start and or close games with. Uh, go ahead. Evan. Did you want to?
3: Oh no, I was going to say I think you can, I think you can thread the needle. Like Pajemski can play more than Clay on some nights while also keeping Clay in the starting lineup. To me, I think it also has to do with who's closing, and Pajemski last night was out there towards crunch time. Now they're kicking the crap out of Memphis, and they should, um, but I think you can thread the needle, and because I also think just, I know it, it Clay's a, a delicate subject for a lot of people, just because of what he's been and what he's contributed to. Also, I think he's probably the most sensitive of the big three, and I also just don't think you can bench him or relegate his role to a bench spot in a contract year. So I think there's a couple of external factors that play into it, but I don't think you have to necessarily play Clay Thompson more than Pods, and that doesn't also mean that Pods like He can he can still come off the bench and play 34 minutes like he did last night and Clay played 27, so I think there's a needle to be threaded. Well,
2: I, I think, yeah, that makes sense, but but why play from behind when you don't have to, I guess would be my point. I think that's the starting lineup, and one of the callers pointed this out, that why, when you can be more effective with another starting lineup, why put yourself behind the eight ball? And this has been proven that the Warriors, in their starting lineups of late, Um, usually become reliant not on that bench to sort of, you know, sustain a lead, but rather to play catch-up and then become sort of the driving force. As you mentioned, Pajemski takes over and closes the game. I guess my point in all of that would be, you know, why start from behind when you don't necessarily may not have to?
3: Well, I don't... I think that's a little prisoner of the moment. Like, they started from behind last night, but they haven't started from like they didn't start from behind against the lakers um they didn't start from behind in my recollection against philly i know they didn't have tyrese maxey in that game but you know well, i guess clay also didn't play against philly so that would that would be to to your point i don't know like i don't think clay's the issue with the starting lineup and Pajemski being in it all of a sudden solves it he adds a different dynamic for sure but i i also kind of like just having an extra floor spacer particularly for Kaminga. Like Pajemski moves the ball better than Clay. He's probably a better help defender. I still think Clay might be a better on-ball defender at this point in his career than Pods is. Um, but I just think having an extra shooter out there gives Kaminga more room to operate, and as well as Wiggins. And I think that's a benefit in and of itself. So you know, Clay's not going to shoot north of forty percent from three anymore like he used to, but he's still an above-average league shooter. Uh, pods is I think a little bit lesser from three point range than clay um so I, I think there's I think there's trades trade-offs and to me that that's it's not as big of an issue right now as as maybe we're making it out to be you know I, I also just think the starting lineup as a whole though they might start slow uh with clay in it like they, it's been proven now I think over the last you know three games it's not much of a sample size but the the three games that they've started together like they have looked. I think markedly better.
2: Yeah, I think that becomes the big concern. If there's one area that would be sort of a gray area and a level of like, well, you're not going to be good in this in this particular space, and that is the shooting. Because what if if Clay is not, and I again, I'm a strong proponent that he has to be replaced by Pajemski more than anything else, just simply because they they need to get younger and they need just energy and they need that sort of player that's just beating everybody up and down the floor and everything that Pajemski. Brings to a basketball team with it, that high, high, high motor of his, but if you have Pajemski, the one drawback is now defensively for teams, you're 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 not spacing the floor because you don't you might you might be susceptible as far as Steph being your only pure shooter now, because I wouldn't put Pajemski in that category. And and do you shoot the ball? How much do you lose if Clay Thompson is now no longer part of that starting lineup? Because uh, you can't. You just simply can't shoot it as effectively.
3: Yeah, I think. Look, there are definitely things that Pajemski does slightly better than Clay Thompson. He, he can rebound more. Um, I think he's more of a willing passer. You know, but Clay's role has always been to, in addition to to hitting threes, just drawing attention. And I think that's valuable not only for Kaminga but also for Curry, because as much as I, I think Pods is a, a capable three point shooter, if you just look at the majority of his baskets. They are assisted on. Like he doesn't really create for himself, and not that Clay does either. But I think Clay is a better spot up shooter. Um, I think Clay has an ability to fill it up at a higher rate. Now he can also shoot you out of some possessions. But I just think that this team right now has really one volume three point shooter. If you don't have Clay in the in the game, and that's Steph. Uh, Kaminga can make threes, but he's not taking eight a game or I wouldn't want him to take eight a game because he's so good at getting downhill Wiggins is not taking eight threes a game but is not taking eight threes a game and I just think in in certain matchups you do need guys that can fill it up from distance and right now on the roster though there are players that shoot a better percentage than Clay Thompson the only two guys that to me I would consider you know dependable knockdown three-point shooters are Curry and Clay.
2: And again, this just gets back to, well, is that better served with him coming off the bench and providing that shooting? So I think when it comes to Steve Kerr, this has been sort of a a slow warm to accepting that the younger players need more run. I think Steve Kerr came along sort of unwilling, uh, if that's – I don't know if that's accurate, but it just – from where I sit, I – I think the Warriors might be in a much better position had this been sort of the attitude right from the jump that, that these young players got more, you know, got more time. Now, Clay Tom, or excuse me, when it comes to John of the Kaminga, you know, John of the Kaminga was going to be John of the Kaminga. I don't think there was any expediting that. He just needed to go through these growing pains to get where he's at today. But you just wonder where they would be if you know if there was more of this of the youth movement than what we saw sort of like just being relied on these older players. And again, I watching the game last night, I get it. Guy Santos makes sense because he's a similar player to that of Dario Sarge, who wasn't available. But when I hear Dario isn't going to go, immediately I begin to think and get, you know, excited because I like to see younger players play that I have a level of promise mm-hmm. and guys that are going to be part of your future to see Trace Jackson Davis get a chance to now get into the rotation, and be maybe the sixth or seventh guy off the bench now that Dario isn't available. But instead, he gets leapfrogged by Guy Santos. And I think, uh, again, I always preface this, I hate going after Kirk because I love the guy, but I, I think sometimes you just see this through this lens of, well, this piece fits, all right, I'm out without Chris Paul. That means Corey Joseph has to play. Well, not necessarily if Corey Joseph isn't very good. So I am, I'm without Dario Sar- Saric. So Guy Santos, who was a similar type players on my bench. Well, he has to play because they, you know, it's a similar theoretically as far as spacing the floor. And like, sometimes no, just think a little bit out of the box or beyond that scope and start Trace Jackson Davis. would not start, but have Trace Jackson Davis replace Dario Saric. Like, sometimes there's there seems to be a lack of innovation or maybe just creativity as opposed to just sort of sticking to a script that you know this piece fits here and I got to do a court I, I have to I have to stay within sort of the template that I've built
3: I also think last I was kind of just matchup based like you look at Memphis they don't really have a true five I mean Je Jackson, Jackson is your, yeah. but he kind of plays on the perimeter like he he and actually, it was one of the things that really pisses me off. But about isn't that him. how? Like he shoot- shoots. He shot nine threes last night. That's that, that's but a lot. But he shoots
2: threes well
3: statistically. For- yeah, he's not. A, you know, no, he he's not a bad three point uh, shooter. But
2: once you just, to, I'll let you go here. But once you, when you say that that Bigs primarily, that's the way they play these days.
3: Yes, but. If you're looking at the way that Dario Scharge plays, because we're using him as the example, compared to how TJD plays, they're very different players. Like, I don't ever want, really, Scharge to be the five on the floor. I'd prefer him to play alongside Draymond at the five, or TJD, or even Looney at the five, because he's not a great defender, Um And by the way, it looks like he's also going to be out tonight. Anthony Slater reporting that everyone is a full go that was in Memphis, but Scharch is still out with an illness. Moody's return is likely to be Monday. So there's that piece of news. But I think Santos is just like he was a matchup based like, for example, tonight with Capella, who's more of a a true five. Like, I think we'll we'll see either Looney or TJD and we might not see as much of. Guy Santos, I also think their bench is just kind of thin right now, and Steve Kerr might be looking for an, you know, a spark. Um, those are also players like Santos and Quinones. I think someone brought it up on on the YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. I, I apologize for not remembering. It might have been Uncle Looney. but one of uh, someone pointed out the fact that, like, they're not really the Lamb and Jerome comps that we were talking about earlier because they played in the Warriors system. Like they've at least been in the G league for a couple of years and understand the way that the warriors want to play basketball. So I wouldn't consider them guys that you're just throwing in ahead of the young dudes just to throw ahead. Uh, But yeah, I mean, if Guy Santos continues to get extended run, he only got 11 minutes. TJD got nine. Looney got 11. So, you know, I, I think, I think it was kind of a product of just the game itself last night. And, if it happens again tonight against Atlanta, uh, number one, if they win by 20 again, I think I'm going I'm to be okay with it. But I I guess I'm less inclined to believe that that's just going to be something that will continue.
2: Well, I just think it bigger picture-wise, it just gets back to, yeah. I have to cultivate my younger core because I'm going to be reliant and I'm just going to be riding these guys in the future as opposed to Guy Santos. I don't know. I could be mistaken. Maybe Guy Santos does factor into Steve Kerr's future plans when you talk about this team in, you know, Next year and the years beyond, I think Trace Jackson Davis, just a fresh kid out of Indiana, and the promise that he's shown. Any opportunity to get him run, I want to see him get burned more so than that of Guy Santos. But what you say makes sense because a lot of this is just matchup based. But sometimes I think that if you're sort of again, if you're that innovative coach, sometimes you just look beyond any of that, and that might sound a little bit ridiculous. But if you want to get your you want to get your guy on the floor and give him an opportunity. So that, you know, whether it gets to the postseason or even next year, he's better served. But uh, a lot more to discuss, including the Golden State Warriors opponent tonight, that being Atlanta and one Dejounte Murray. His name continues to surface there, <laughs> Ev, as a potential trade piece. Uh, and one the Warriors are one of those teams that, uh, who knows, because... Mike Dunleavy, it's still, you know, he's, he still needs to see more, according to Dunleavy. The last time we talked publicly about this, he wants to see the Warriors play over the next couple of weeks before he pulls the trigger. Could you see a scenario where DeJounte Murray comes to the Golden State Warriors? And more importantly, is he somebody that can help this team going forward?
3: I mean, he's a decent player, but the answer to that is no. I don't think he makes them any better than they are now. Uh, if anything, these issues that we're talking about with does Clay need to go to the bench, if Pods be in the starting lineup, you know, what happens with Chris Paul comes back? If anything, he he further complicates those issues because he's a guard. And I think they have a lot of ones and twos right now. Like he'd be taking minutes away, honestly, from Moses Moody, who people want to see play. Um now I guess that depends on who you ship out for him. It'd probably be Paul, maybe Moody's included. Uh but I also just think he he's too expensive for what the warriors would have to give up and i think the integration process would be a wash i don't see the warriors making a move for him i wonder if he gets traded at all because I, I i think on paper he's a sexier type of player and asset than when you actually watch him play like tonight he'll 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 get his and he's a quick guard he can attack the rim and finish and he's a fine defender i don't think he's as good as people believe he actually is um, or he's not the defender that he was when he was in San Antonio. When he, I think he had one year he led the league in steals. But like, I, I don't think that he helps the Warriors as much as people looking at his 20-plus points per game are, are thinking that he does. Well,
2: I think that anytime you're perceived as a two-way player and as young as he is, you're going to be coveted. I think that there's going to be a lot of people that that are going to have a high level of interest. And I think that's that sort of describes this kid. He's also on the cheap. I mean, he. I want to say he's about. Well, he,
3: he's he's making a lot of money now. He's
2: making like 18, but he didn't. He just signed a deal, but cheap, relatively speaking. I mean, he didn't sign for a max deal. He's not going to be asking for one because he's under contract. But I think that when you think about his age, statistically, giving you the 20 points a game, and you just brought up his numbers, what's he pulling down? Uh,
3: Dejounte Murray. Yeah, I mean, he's I'm making sorry. north of 20. Uh, oh, but by, by the way, so he did sign a contract extension before yeah. the season. So for the, you'll have him for four years. That would be the upside is that you have him during his prime. For, and his
2: contract's relatively, I should have, you know, relatively speaking for a guy who's a two-way player giving you 20 points a night for his age.
3: His average salary is $28.5 million for the next four years, including a player option. So,
2: okay. Well, that that maybe that's not a deal. That's basically market value, I'd say.
3: Yeah, I mean he's making you know more than Draymond and more than Wiggins. He would be at least the way you're currently slotted with Clay coming off the books and Chris uh, Chris Paul. He would be the second most expensive player on your team entering this off before you make any moves.
2: So Dejounte Murray coming to the Golden State Warriors. Are were fans at making a deal and bringing someone to to Golden State before the trade deadline? You know, it was just a couple of weeks ago where it almost seemed imminent that this was going to take place, that the Warriors needed to upgrade. They had to do something. The Warriors were a team that was just floundering. Uh, I think, you know, the idea of just waiting for Draymond to come back and just see how he fits into things and assess at that point might be the best cause of action going forward. Mm and And that's proven to be true. Again, this gets back to, to one guy, and that's Draymond Green and his return to the Golden State Warriors and what that's meant for Andrew Wiggins, uh, getting back to being that player that, that can be relied upon to give you you know, big numbers and defensively to help out. And, and also, of course, unlocking one Jonathan Kaminga. So I think when you look at the Golden State Warriors, and I sort of even said this during their darkest moments, that this is going to be the team going forward, that uh, the moving parts on this team with Jonathan Kaminga and Pajemski and then the return of Chris Paul and, and GP2, uh, I think that you're best served to hold on to a team that's more familiar with themselves than try and upgrade with a piece or at least bring in somebody that's going to diminish minutes from somebody else and just, I think, make be more of a, of a deterrent than anything else.
3: Yeah, I think people have completely flipped. I mean, a month ago was everyone's on the table, and the only guy who's untouchable is Steph Curry. Now, a month later, it's like we don't want to trade anybody on the Warriors. I mean, I think Chris Paul's the most likely candidate, but I think he play How Chris Paul would factor in for me, uh kind of meeting you halfway, for example, on the Clay Thompson subject, I think if Clay was to come off the bench, it would be to be paired with, CP3 because I think Chris is someone that might be able to activate him and activate the the scoring from the second unit. So that would be the only way I could see them not wanting to move off of Chris because they like him running the second unit. They like him maybe even playing sometimes with the starters if there's a guy out. Uh, they like his leadership, so they're less inclined to move off of him. But he's the most likely candidate, and I, I would personally like to see them add some size. Like to me, Murray is is a bit of a wash one because. I don't know if they want to acquire a player that has four more years or three more years left on their deal because there's not as much optionality as the Warriors have used in, in really over the summer, it felt like. Um, but I, I think if, if we're addressing a need right now, it's, it's probably size. And that doesn't mean you're going to go get someone that's going to automatically come in and start and play 30 minutes a game. I don't think they need, for example, an offensive minded center. I just think they need someone that can, Take some pressure off of what Draymond is going to be asked to do eventually, which is night after night after night, be both an initiator on offense as well as your interior presence and kind of the center fielder. Not that he can't do it in a shortened playoff type of scenario, but I just wonder if it's sustainable for him to be playing 30 or more minutes for the last you know 35 38ish games of the season and keeping that level of play at what it is. So, if we're talking about the trade deadline, you know, whether it's Murray, whether it's another player and we'd be happy to take your calls at 889579570, is there a need you still think they need they could address at the deadline and if so, what is it? I think it's a big.
2: Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. I just then it just becomes a matter of who's available. And Yeah, you get a big in here that can help you out and uh, defend the rim and also put pressure on the rim on the other end and put in the dunker spot, but those guys are few and far between, and teams just aren't simply letting those guys. Unless you want to get a project or a journeyman, those guys are there. I I don't know. At this point, if we've come, if we've arrived at the point where Jonathan Kaminga is clearly not for sale, move on, Uh, If Andrew Wiggins is going to, if you're going to, you know, if Steph had a conversation with Lacob saying, you know, we finally have an identity on this team and this team is now beginning to make sense and I I like the starting five, let's just, let's let's keep Andrew Wiggins. Uh, If you don't have those trade chips um, and you're just going to move off some, you know, some draft picks and Chris Paul, well, what is it that you're going to bring back becomes the big question. And I would argue that it's, it's not worth it because in return, you're not going to get that significant. It might be a big, but it's not going to be a significant big. It's not Laurie Markkinen. It's no. not somebody that's going to impact Warrior Basketball, which really gets back to, because I agree with you, small, ba- small ball is done in my estimation. Like You need to move with the times, and the times right now is that you need you need to be big. Whether it's a starting center, but that's sort of the winning formula right now. We always know how things are cyclical in basketball. That's where we're at right now. Why? I always say that them missing on James Weissman, because they understood the way the game's being played, and the fact that James Weissman didn't work out, really set this franchise back. And and Evan, I think that has a lot to do with where they're at right now. And it's not a matter of choice; it's the fact that we have to play small ball because we don't really have any other options.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. And look, I mean, the Warriors dynasty has been built on "quote unquote" small ball. They haven't really had a traditional five that's played major minutes and big games since Andrew Bogut. Draymond Green's really been the, the key to the the death lineup, so to speak, in, in years past. So it's not that they can't play small, but I just wonder how long if again, if your if your rim protector in that lineup, so to speak, is Draymond Green. I think he can play for stretches quality and clearly he's playing good basketball right now. He's helping them win games. Um I just wonder if that's going to be sustainable for someone that's at age thirty three, going on thirty four, playing heavy minutes against the 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 towers that beast. So to me it's not necessarily adding a trade for someone that is going to come in and reorganize the hierarchy. It's just about adding some depth. And I do think there is a player or two out there that you can go get, um, and maybe we could talk about names on the other side, that wouldn't necessarily be cheap and also wouldn't come in and take away from what they do. It's more, again, just to be another option for Steve Kerr to throw out at the five when eventually you're going to have to play the bigs like Jokic, you're going to have to play you know, bigs with the Clippers and Zubots and Carl Anthony Towns and Chet Holmgren. And there, there's a lot of versatile, large seven foot ish type players around the Western conference that you're probably going to have to go through. And I would just like to see them have at least another option to be able to throw throw at those guys.
2: I think it just gets back before we get to the break of they've been in search all year of finding the proper recipe and finding the proper, the most effective starting lineup and rotation. And it finally seems as though they have it. And so now they're going to disrupt all of that to bring in a big is, is I think, a, a question that they're going to have to grapple with. All right. Matthew, we see you. Phone lines open at 888 Matthew, will get... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for
1: professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: your calls, the rest of the calls, and we continue with Warriors This Week right after this.
1: Now back to
5: Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game.
2: All right, Ed, let's get right into it. We have some phone lines open at 888-957-9570. Evan Giddings and Dan of Warriors This Week, Warriors to take on the Atlanta Hawks in game two of a five game road trip in Atlanta. All the action right here on 95.7, the game coming up later this afternoon. Matthews in San Francisco, California. Hello, Matthew. Welcome aboard.
5: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my thought was this uh, I agree with you that we could use a big man. And a, a name that comes to mind for me is uh, Louisich in Chicago. I mean, uh, could we possibly pull a deal and get. Or maybe... Um, Vucevic? Vucevic. Bu- oh. Vucevic, I'm sorry. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on a deal like that. And I'll, I bring that up because yesterday, Raymond had some foul trouble. And, uh, you know, you're, you're right. Um, over uh, the remainder of the season, him at the small ball center, I don't know, he's going to run into nights where he's going to have foul trouble. And we need some depth in that, that center spot. And Vucevic, he's a guy... we. He doesn't need to play a a lot, maybe 20 men tonight, but he's solid. I mean, he he can probably give us a little bit, a little bit of a presence there. I know we've got some defensive flaws, but I think he may be a good pickup for us. Uh, I'll take uh, your thoughts off the air.
2: Well, I would agree with you. Uh, Vucevic would be a huge addition for the Golden State Warriors, and I'm a big fan of Caruso. I think one of the Warriors' biggest mistakes – and Jeannie Buss showing her level of incompetence was getting rid of Caruso a couple <laughs> of years back because that's a that's how you I I always maintain you win with guys like Caruso he's got a little Pajemski in him he's although he's a taller different sort of player but can shoot plays defense always you always want guys like him he's sort of a poor man's Drew Holiday if you will not nearly as good as Drew Holiday so relax but uh, and Vucevic is a, a quality center he's one of those centers that I talked about that just simply aren't going to be available. You can get them, but then again, you know, you've got to once again dangle Jonathan Kaminga uh, as a trade piece. I mean, do you really want to do that? So Vucevic would be an upgrade. I just don't think he's available for what it is that the Warriors are willing to trade.
3: No, and, and here's what I'm talking about. And look, they, they might have the answer on the roster, the, the guy that you like in Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, I think it's a lot to ask of a rookie potentially, and we're – Getting ahead of ourselves, but you know, in a, in a play-in playoff scenario against other veteran bigs, to ask him to to bear the brunt of that, to me, I don't want to play. Why I would say no to Vucevic, even if you could get him for a, a lower prices, I would prefer the Warriors address a need that doesn't involve them getting guys that reorganize the shot hierarchy. Like they're already going through that as as we speak right now, because it looks like obviously Curry's your number one. I think. Kaminga has arrived as your, your number two, or if Steph's not on the floor, your number one offensive option, because he also has grown in the facilitating category, being, being willing to move the ball. And then thirdly, you know, some nights it's Clay, some nights it's Wiggins, some nights, heck, it could be Pods. Um, but I don't want Vucevic or a player like Vucevic who's taken 15 to 20 shots a game to come in and just all of a sudden, eat offensive possessions away from the other players that the Warriors currently have because right now they're playing efficiently on offense they're defending at a high level and I don't really want to mess with that again my thought process behind the deadline is maybe using someone like Chris Paul to go out and find a big that can fit and Caruso would be great I don't think you can get him but someone that doesn't demand the ball, like someone that can affect the game and help you without needing the ball. They can clean up around the rim. They can be a rim protector. Um, they can run, pick, and roll. Like someone, and you might see a guy like that tonight for the Atlanta Hawks, someone like Clint Capella. Now, that's not a, a big name, and I don't think it moves the needle in a drastic direction, but he's someone that can come in and be a seven-foot type of sizable uh, option that can rebound, rim run, and could give you 15 minutes. So I, I don't know how expensive that would be, but someone along those lines to me is what you're going to eventually find yourself needing because I, I guess I just don't want to put all the pressure on Draymond Green to be the five at six foot seven. He can do it, but I think it's just a lot to ask of him, especially if you're saying, Hey, you got to go play that position for 30 to 35 minutes a night for the remainder of the regular season just before you get to the playoffs.
2: So here's a look at some centers that are available. Robert Williams III, we saw how good he was with Boston just a few short years ago.
3: Nick Claxton, too, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, that's from the YouTube chat.
2: Kelly Olenek, Utah, these names always surface just about every time this year. Uh, Bismack Biambo, uh I believe now with Phoenix. Uh, so there's, you know, it's, it's sort, sort of the same old characters. And, you know, Clint Capella is a guy that, you know, in his heyday with Houston, he was there big, remember, with Harden. And Chris Paul, like he was the guy that gave you that, you know, he was there, here, he was there big in the middle. Um, he's a little bit older, obviously, now. I guess of all of these guys, including Capella and O'Linick and Robert Williams III, and, um, I, I don't see, I don't see that as a significant upgrade to what, what it is that you already have. And, and I guess I'd rather stick with Kavon Looney and a kid in Trace Jackson Davis just because we're, it's the continuity, I think, is what I'd be more sort of aware of and afraid of losing by bringing in somebody that I don't necessarily think makes you a better basketball team. And I get what it is that you're laying out, but I think that to solve that problem, I'd be more inclined to stay in-house, uh, if that made any sense. So
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at areas where they're thin, and it's probably the five. But then again, you know, they haven't necessarily in the past needed a guy that, like, they haven't needed a a true big, to be honest, to be successful at their highest level.
2: Ev, let's start there. Does that still work? Does that formula? Still work, do you think, for the Golden State Warriors? And I would even argue, even you're right, it was just a short two years ago. They won a title and didn't have a big. But even in those two years, the landscape now with Wimben and Chet Holmgren, I mean, it's sort of, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is not where he was two years ago. Much better basketball player. So uh, even in those two short years, things have begun to change. Do you still think that's a winning formula for the Golden State Warriors going forward?
3: Well, I don't want to understate how important Kevon Looney was to that finals win. And really, the run. Like, he had multiple, I think, 20-rebound games. He got a
2: new contract out of that.
3: He did, exactly. And it wasn't a big contract. I think he's making like seven or eight a year. But I think the reason why I am guess I'm looking at the five position more than any other is because of uh, of Kavon Looney's decline. And he hasn't been the same player. And he's never been like a 30-minute guy per night. But he could be, if you needed him to, against other teams with size. And... I just don't think he's been the same version of himself this season to feel like I would trust him to all of a sudden just turn into playoff loon, you know, come postseason time. And I mean, that's why we're having the conversation about Trace Jackson Davis, right? If Kevon Looney was the guy that was giving you consistent production for 15 to 20 minutes or even more, we wouldn't be talking about, oh, well, TJD needs to play more. We got to get him in more. But Looney hasn't been the same player this year, and I think that's been really hard for someone like Steve Kerr to wrestle with, but also for the Warriors to look at and say, well, where are we going to get that size from? I would lean externally as opposed to internally, Uh, but the rest of the positions you're talking about, you're absolutely right. I, I think they're at a point, the Warriors are, where they don't really want to move any of those other pieces.
2: So the Golden State Warriors taking on Atlanta. The before-mentioned Clint Capella will be front and center for a Warrior team, and I think it's... It's interesting to to sort of kick around the Warriors who have done it a different way. Yet yeah, Kevon Looney was so significant, against, especially in that Denver series and Boston. With remember those offensive rebounds that he just—I mean, he was without, you know, without Kevon Looney and and just controlling the glass. I don't know that the Warriors win that title. But when you th- when you think about the Golden State Warriors and just the way they played basketball, it's a different animal now in twenty twenty four. And when you get to the postseason, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you most likely are going to run up against not only bigs, but young bigs. Uh, And young bigs, whether it's Chet Holmgren, who could be your Rookie of the Year, whether it's Carl Anthony Towns, as I mentioned, is now seasoned. And much like that of, you know, Jonathan Kaminga has has come into his own. Uh, You know, it is... It's just it's and it's true for the Eastern Conference as well. You need a big, really, to be relevant, and the Warriors just don't have that guy. So I just wonder whether it's something they address over the offseason or whether they continue to just sort of, you know, toe the line that they, listen. This is this is the way we've done it, and we're going to continue with Kavon Looney and in an undersized center if if Trace Jackson becomes that guy.
3: And I think also they are maybe in a position where they want to let this thing play out because you do have some options in the off season to free up money. I mean, even if you want to extend Kaminga, for example, that wouldn't kick in beyond, uh, the, the next season because he's in year three. So you still wouldn't have that on the books. And obviously you got clay Thompson off, Chris Paul comes off. Do you want to bring back those two players? One of those two players, neither of those players, those are options for the warriors. So operation get under the second apron is, is certainly feasible. Even if you do nothing at the trade deadline, um, I think a lot of people have come back to just wanting to see how good this team, as currently constructed, can be. I just think that we're eventually going to get to a point down the line where some of the flaws that have been lingering throughout the year uh, come to the forefront. And as much as I, I love the fact that this starting lineup now has showcased their wings, and Draymond, I think, has been a big reason for that. And I, I think I said earlier they're playing a high level of defense. They're playing a higher level of defense with Draymond as opposed to not. I mean, they're, a, I think, a little bit above average defensively since he's returned, as opposed to being like 30th in the league when he's been out. So that makes a difference. And then Kaminga emerging as as an offensive force and as, as a consistent threat, I think, does wonders for this offense, along with Steph not having to bear the brunts of the load each and every night. So if he does go for 30, you're probably going to be able to win that game. If he doesn't, now maybe you still have a chance to win that game because of how consistent Jonathan Kaminga's been. So, you know, I, I I am kind of feeling like, it's interesting, we, t- we talked about this last week, like are the Warriors going to make a move? Well, last year I didn't think they were, and they ended up making a move. This year I felt like a week or two ago that they were going to make a move, and now it doesn't look like they are the trade deadline. And I wonder how the fans feel.
2: Speaking to the fans, let's open them up at 888-957-9570. We kick things off to Berkeley. We go, and let's meet Rafi. Rafi, what's on your mind?
6: Morning, guys. How you doing? Well, thank you. Right on. You know, here's my take with the whole Warriors and big man kind of thing. I actually, I, I, I kind of I think the narrative that you guys are talking about is, is a little off base, and here's why, in the sense that you know, for the Warriors, I think they're for their kind of like dynastic run. They always had a big man, and it wasn't just Bogut. It, there was Bogut, um, there was David West, there was Anderson Verjao, there was um, Petruia, the guy who no- the, the guy who knocked out Kawhi, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Petrullia. Um Petruia, yeah, exactly. So they always had a big guy, and they went to the death lineup. They went small as their alternative look. For short bursts of time. And so they always had someone who was a strong defensive presence who, could, who actually did, in a lot of ways, all their big men were passing big men. They could pass from the top of the key in Steve Kerr's offense, and they provided some physicality. And, you know, obviously Loon kind of came, grew and came into that role as well. But that was kind of this descent into, I, I think, Steve Kerr kind of getting a little... Um, he got, he put, I think he had tunnel vision in terms of the small and felt like he could increasingly go small kind of all the time. And then it became their only identity. I think the Warriors used to actually have multiple identities with a bunch of, I mean, for some of those years, they had three big boys on the roster, you know, David West, Petrulia, they were on the roster at the same time. They, they had these guys that they could rotate in, get physical, foul, you know, play that offensive and defensive role. A bogey was a great defensive player, you know, and I think we've lost sight of what they did in that run. And so I do think that – I don't think there's anyone anything they can do about it now, but, you know, Capella, wonderful. He's small, you know, and I, I just think that they kind of like are, are reaping what they've sown by a certain kind of tunnel vision and kind of obsession with that small ball lineup.
2: Rafi, well said. Yeah, and I think when we talk about the Warriors have always been small – we have a tendency to overlook and forget what it is that Rafi just laid out. That I really think this dynastic run started with the addition of Andrew Bogut. They never had a serviceable big like him who could protect the rim and then pass out of that pick and roll like he was able to. And then whether it was Festus Ezeli, who was sort of his, his backup. The Warriors would always replenish and make sure that although the face has changed, that they had somebody occupying that five spot. I guess my point being is that when you look at basketball in 2024, it's not so much that you have a role player like that of an Andrew Bogut or Festus azili or a West or Pachulia or whomever, but now do you need to stay up with the competition that it's not just a role player, but you need a two-way player, that you need a big that not only protects the rim and can pick and roll, but somebody that's going to give you offensive minutes and is also not just somebody who's going to go hang out in the corner while the other four guys play, but in order to match wits with other teams in the NBA, are we at a point now that you need a big that not only protects the rim, but can attack the rim on the other end as well?
3: I mean, I I agree, but this is the thing, and and Rafi's correct. Yes, they had different uh, versions of bigs, but those weren't they were nice additions, and they were they were easy to... I think they were, for example, like David West and Vera Zhao and Pachulia. I don't think those guys played heavy minutes, though, is a thing. And I don't think right now Kevon Looney nor Trace Jackson Davis play heavy minutes. Like, Cavon averages about 19 or 20 a game or has so far this year. TJD averages about 14 minutes a game when he plays. Um, but again, like, they won those titles... Outside of the fifteen one, because you were versatile and you were versatile specifically at the forward positions, you know, not just Durant, not just Draymond, but also Iguodala and Clay was a lot different of a player. Um, he could play up at the two, he could play at the three. Like the the reason why I I feel like they need added depth at at the five spot is is just because I I guess I don't I don't trust Looney and, and TJD to be those guys. The way that he's talking about Rafi's talking about David West or Anderson Varejao or Zaza Pachulia, less Varejao, more Pachulia, who started a lot of games and then wouldn't finish games. I just feel like at the beginning of these basketball games and intermittently throughout, there's a, a lack of size. And I just feel like it's going to come back to bite them because they're asking Draymond to do a lot in these regular season contests. And, and he's been effective this far. But I also think it's because he's played half the games like Draymond Green and his legs are fresher right now because he hasn't had to play that much. And the moment he came back for very unfortunate and tragic reasons, they got a break. And so the Warriors themselves, the older players, do have fresher legs. I think that might be something that catches up with them after the All-Star break. And so I would like to see them add some depth and maybe, I mean, Capella's a name, it doesn't necessarily have to be him, but just someone that can take some and and relieve some pressure off the back line of a a pretty depleted you know, four or five position. And that's, that's really where I would like to see them at. It's not so much about someone who can come in and just immediately start and take over and play 25 minutes a night. It's someone who can add depth because I just feel like at some point that their older players are going to have those heavier legs.
2: All right, let's get back out to the phone lines. By the way, comcast text line like jimmy jacket and the street continues 510 i love you daryl's hanging out in pleasanton daryl welcome to the big program
5: hi uh first time caller here love the show you hear me we got you okay yeah i heard somebody mention clint capella the other day how i mean the other call how tall is he he's uh, a
3: 610 240
5: (laughs) you know he plays taller than that he plays rim protection better than most, so I wouldn't mind him either. But I, let me throw a couple other names at you. Uh, how about uh, Claxton?
2: Yeah, we talked about and him. And
5: then also, and then also Kessler over there at uh, Utah.
2: Yeah, I don't I, think he's. I, a very would, I would love Walker yeah, Kessler.
5: Just, he, ain't, he
3: ain't
2: coming. He's in his second year. We could have drafted him, but we don't want to go down that road. Hello, Bob Myers. But go ahead.
5: Yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah, and then Jared Allen, of course, but that's on my wish list, on the top of my wish list. I'll tell you what about uh, about uh, Jackson Davis. He, he's really his dad. He's really a power forward, right? He, he does outside. And he's a classic rebounder. Yeah. And you can play him in the dunker spot, but I see him missing and leaving the ball at the cup because he's being contested so much because he's not... He's tall, but he's not tall enough. Uh, well, tell me I'm wrong, but that's kind of what I see.
2: Yeah, you sort of cut out there. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard his question. Yeah, I mean, I, I
3: think TJD in, in today's game is is more of a five. I get he, yeah. he was comparing him to his dad, Dale Davis, and who was, yeah, I guess more of a power Back four, but with that Indiana was also Paces 20 years it. ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think he's he. He can play the five and the four. That's sort of the definition of the position. One of the reasons why I'm big on Trace Jackson Davis, and this gets back to Pajemski replacing Clay Thompson as a starter, is because I think the Warriors are an old basketball team. Still effective, but nevertheless, you can't, you know, Father Time is undefeated. We know this. And you look at the numbers and these guys are now in their mid thirties, which is old for professional sports. I know certainly that, you know, Steph Curry is the outlier, but this, This applies to Bajemsky as well as Trace Jackson Davis, is that their youth and their athleticism and their energy becomes so evident when you compare and contrast. You know what I suggest everyone do if you get an opportunity? Just get on YouTube and pop in Clay Thompson when he went for 37 and a quarter or just pop in Steph back in the day. (laughs) And while Steph's numbers are similar, Right now, but just look at how young and how fast and how mobile and just what they did besides scoring the basketball. Just simply how a lot of their shot creation and a lot of their points were just why they beat guys up the floor. The, the youth on those guys becomes so apparent when you just look at them when they were in their late twenties. And so that's why I think Trace Jackson Davis, him playing more on an old team, you can see when he helps. And I always get back to that Boston Celtic game, going back more than a month and a half ago in that nationally televised game where he came out of nowhere and helped defense. And Jalen Brown had a clear path to the hoop and went for a dunk. And Trace Jackson Davis on rotation help came from nowhere and blocked his shot. You just haven't seen that at the rim I don't know. The last time I witnessed that with somebody a big that had that sort of athleticism. So you get that tease and you're like, let's let's work on that. Let's develop that. That's exciting. And that's something that you just don't see with the Golden State Warriors. That blend of a youth and big, and you have it with Trace Jackson Davis. And so just sort of, you know, when it comes to Pajenski as well, it's not necessarily well what position and it's just simply because And and need, it's because of their youth. It becomes simply, the warriors become more young, and athletic, and again, to me, in order for them to be successful this year, it's going to be a blend of the two. That being the youth, the guy on the experience, and this this youthful sort of untapped energy with the likes of Pajemski and Trace Jackson, Davis, and Moses Moody, and obviously Jonathan Kaminga.
3: Yeah, and I think that's a great place to to kind of wind down Warriors this week with as as we head towards twelve. Is the fact that yes, we spent a lot of time talking about the bigs, and I can believe that. They need some more depth, and you know, I don't know. Some people think they need a true five or an offensive-minded center. All that stuff is well and good. They're going to win because of how well Steph, Dre, Kaminga, Wiggins, Clay, to some extent, Pajemsky, Chris Paul. Like they're going to win because of their big boys. They're beca- they're going to win because their best players play at the level that they've played at these last three games since Steve Kerr has switched the starting lineup. And it's why I'm looking forward to watching the game at 4.30 or catching it right here on 95.7 The Game, is because I want to see if this starting lineup does have staying power and the commitment that Steve Kerr is talking about to it remains and how they are able to turn that ideally into wins against teams I believe they should beat, like the Atlanta Hawks, like teams on Monday in the Brooklyn Nets that I believe they should beat, that they already have beaten this season. So if the starting lineup doesn't turn these results into Ws, well, it doesn't matter who is playing at the 5. It doesn't matter who, you know, if TJD's getting 15 or 20 minutes or less, if these guys that have been playing at a high level in a small sample size, granted, continue to play with consistency, if Steph continues to give you good production from the offensive side of the floor, if Jonathan Kaminga continues to play two ways along with Andrew Wiggins and continues to grow as a budding potential star, as Draymond Green continues to help you more on the defensive end but also activate certain players offensively, well then the Warriors are going to be winning basketball Games And all of this at the trade deadline can kind of go away because they will have solved this internally. As much as we like to say they should add this, they should add that, the Warriors are in a position now to potentially turn a corner. But they can't we can't say that yet unless they compile victories. And that's what I'm looking forward to over the next week until we have our next show on next, on Saturday.
2: And it all begins coming up at 4.30. Tip between the Golden State Warriors at Atlanta. Game 2 of the 5-game series. Don't forget to keep it here at 4 o'clock with the pregame show. F.P. Santangelo will get you set for action. And then of course it's Tim Roy with the call and F.P. will have the postgame show as well. For Evan Giddings, this is Dan Avon. We'll see you right back here for Warriors this week next Saturday